situation, we're releasing all of the fullness of God in His power, in His anointing, in His light to go in and change this dark area, a dark place, a situation. When we say hallelujah, we're releasing Him into it. So, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I think there's some situations that we could speak that over, you know, in our life. There's some situations that we could just simply speak that hallelujah over. We could sing it over. We could sing it again with those in our thoughts and in our mind. So that as we sing that over that situation, we release the Spirit of God to move in that situation. We release Him. He's... he's released through our faith, through our words. You know, our words go forth, and it's the word that the Holy Spirit moves with, works with, begins to, it's the word that releases angels to work in our situation. It's the word that goes forth over something that begins to create change. So as we sing it again, let's do it that way. Get in your heart what you're going to sing hallelujah over. Get in your heart what God wants to change. It's a, maybe a situation. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a uh, financial need. Maybe it's a, a uh, job thing. Who knows what it is? But when we sing, you know what it is. <laughs> Some of you right now, you're like, I know what it is. <laughs> But when we sing hallelujah over that, we're going to release utter and complete light into that situation. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's a, a grief, an area of grief where you need the light to come in now. Maybe it's something like that that's deep within you. When we release that hallelujah, Lift your hands and let light come. Let light go into that situation. Let light be released. It'll begin to change. I guarantee you. <laughs> Let's sing. Why throw up my hands praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah, I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah, I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. I throw on my hands 
and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, my soul, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul, oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. You got a lion inside of those lungs, get up and praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. I throw up my hands, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. We just praise you, Lord. We praise you that things are moving, things are changing, things are happening. We praise you, Lord, that your spirit is working. And where we can't see, where we don't know, you do. And so, Father, we just thank you as we release that hallelujah, all oh, that you're going to work. You're doing it. You're doing what we can't do. We don't have to worry. We don't have to strive. We don't have to change that situation. You're doing it, Lord. You're doing it. By your spirit, you're doing it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. We know that prayer, prayer moves and, and gets your attention, but praise ushers in the answers. So we praise you with that hallelujah. We praise you because you're worthy and you're good. You're awesome. You're mighty. You're wonderful. Oh, Father, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, we thank you. You're doing so much. You're doing so much, even in this room right now. I thank you, Father God, that there's healing taking place. Healing taking place even now as we worship, as we praise you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Oh, Father, hallelujah. 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 You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You love us so much. You gave us every answer every answer oh we praise you and your presence fills the atmosphere we love you lord oh we love you hallelujah 
Oh, he's good. He's good. He's good. Oh, his mercy endures forever. You know, <laughs> the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, oh man. <laughs> wow. You know, when you're going through it, that's something to just keep in your heart. Repeat to yourself, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His love for you never ends. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. God is good. God is good. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, worship team. <laughs> we just love it. <laughs> we just <laughs> love it. You know, it's good to, to just praise him and be at home singing a song or whatever, but there's just something so wonderful about being here together and everybody doing their part and just being here where uh, God moves, you know? It's just so good. So, thank you. Well, we're going to continue tonight um, and uh, minister the word, but you can go ahead and have a seat. We're going to receive our, our evening tithes and offerings first. And uh, praise God. He is so good. <laughs> so good. So if you didn't have an opportunity to uh, give this morning, or this is your service and this is where you give, this is how we give. And I just want to reiterate what, uh, uh, it's on the screen there, you can give uh, by text, by the app, or you can mail your envelope <laughs> to the church. Hopefully you're not doing that because you're here right now. But if you do need an envelope for giving, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. But I want to reiterate what Alan said today, you know, uh, we are continuing to say restore over every area of our life, and we're believing that uh, that's happening in our lives. God's restoring things, that he's bringing things uh, to us, restoration, redemption, that all of those things that, that uh, uh, he's doing in our lives and, and started to do, that he will finish doing and uh, we believe that over you, that you're going to have the best year ever. Yes. You know, we, well, you might say, well, you said that last year. <laughs> well, isn't it good to continue to believe that we're going to have the best year ever, ever, every year? Yes. I mean, that's good. We want it to keep getting better and better. And that's how God wants it for us, yeah. too. So we believe that over you. We believe that you are prospering, that you're growing, um, that you're prospering and, and uh, you are blessed. So if you are, are um, needing to give and needing an envelope, raise your hand. And otherwise, we'll pray over this offering and then we will get into the word. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to give. We thank you, Lord, for uh, a generous heart. We thank you, Lord, for generosity. We thank you that the gospel goes forth because of generosity. We thank you, Father, that we're like you when we're generous. We thank you, Father, that you put that in our heart and that uh, you bless us. We just thank you so much, Father, that you can bless us because we sow our seed and we count on it coming back to us in the form of a harvest, a harvest that we'll be able to have more seed to sow. We thank you for it, Lord. We pray a blessing over this offering, over every person that gives tonight in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. All right. I can pass those buckets and we'll get ready with the word here. We are in a series called Ready, Set, Revival. (laughs) Ready, Set, Revival. And I like how Pastor Mark named it that because, you know, there's so many components to revival, but a lot of it is about our heart. And he's been talking a lot about that, about, about our heart and how we prepare our heart. And when we are ready, you know, revival starts with me and me getting my heart and life right with him. And then revival can move through me to others. So it starts there. So ready, set, revival uh, is what he's been talking about. He's been sharing lots of ways that we can uh, really order our life and get our life right. Um, You know, we think about that a lot at the new year because it's a season of planning, of reflection, of calendars, of, you know, putting things in order. And uh, there's so much. It's, it's, we look back, but we look forward. We make goals. We make plans. There's a lot that happens. And so um, it's good. You know, we can plan for revival. We can plan for God to move. How do we do that? Well, we get our hearts in the right place. We pray in the right way. We work on ourselves so that he can work in our midst. So there's a lot to that. So I'm going to revisit a message that this is one, of, one that Alan likes. Uh, I was, we were in a prayer time at the beginning of the year a couple of years ago, many years ago actually, and the Lord asked me a question, and uh, the question was, how big is your ask? <laughs> how big is your ask? What are you asking for this year? What's your expectation? What are you asking for? What are you believing me for? And when he asked me that question, I thought, wow, well, what am I believing for? You know, it's a good one for us to examine in this time of planning. It's a good one for us to examine in this season where it's kind of a a new start, right? We're at the beginning of a new year. What am I expecting? What is my expectation? What am I asking God for? So I began to list things, and, uh, you know, our expectation really is a lot uh, dependent upon what's in us, what we know of him and of his word. And so are we expecting God to move? Or are we just expecting more of the same? You know, we, we should be expecting God to move. We should be expecting revival. We should be expecting him and his presence to fill our valley. There's some expectation that we should be having. So when God presents a question like that, how big is your ask? What are you asking for? What are you believing for? What's your expectation? It's a question, but it's a challenge, Right? It's a challenge because he's saying, you know, God doesn't ask you questions just so that you can give an answer. He asks you questions that he already knows the answer to. And when he already knows that answer, he's prompting you to get on board with him. So when we can get on board with him, then uh, he can do things. So how big is your expectation? It's a question but it's a challenge. And is our expectation really grounded in his ability? You know, it's something to think about. So we're going to talk about that, but let's pray first as we enter into the word. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it's powerful, that it's alive. And just like we said this morning, it's able to change us. It's able to divide between our soul and spirit. 
It's able to minister to us, to take us deeper into things of the Spirit if we receive it. And so, Father, we set ourselves to receive the word that you have for us tonight. We thank you for it. We pray, Father, that it will come forth with uh, boldness and that it will hit our hearts, Father, and that it will create a change in us, that it will challenge us to go higher. We thank you for your word. No matter what it is, if we've heard it a million times, a million and two, (laughs) it always has life. And so we set ourselves to receive the life that's in the word tonight. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that you're getting us ready for great things. You're getting us ready for things that you want to do this year. You're getting us ready with our expectation. And Father, we thank you that you will meet that expectation, that you'll do exactly what we're believing you for. We thank you for it, Lord. You're faithful and you're true to your word. Your word is always true. So help us to grow in your word tonight. Help us to grow in our expectation. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So expectation. You know, uh, a lot of people in the Bible had uh, expectation and uh, saw God meet them right at that. I'm thinking about Aksa, Caleb's daughter. You know, she was a woman in a really male-dominated society when it came to inheritance. She wasn't necessarily promised anything, yet she asked for it and she got it. And that was a really powerful testimony, how she asked for uh, an inheritance. She asked for water for her piece of land, and she got it. I'm thinking about uh, the woman with the issue of blood. She came with an expectancy to touch the hem of his garment and to be made whole, and it was all based on the word. There's a word in Malachi that the, uh, when you read the commentaries, it really takes you back to that she was most likely believing that if she could touch him, the hem of his garment, that there was healing. The son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings and she would receive that. Healing in his uh, garment, his wings. And so she reached out, she came with expectation, and she received something. There's something to our expectation. God isn't just moving all over the place randomly. He's going where there's expectation. So when we talk about ready, set, revival, getting ready for the latter rain, there has to be an expectancy. There has to be an expectancy on God. And so uh, expectant participation is the key. And what is our definition for faith that we, you know, we have it at Bible school, but we talk about it in church too. Faith is a confident expectation of God and his word. So our expectancy is very important. It's part of how God can move in our life. We don't want to settle for less than what's available to us. So we need to know what's available to us. Well, I want to go over to a little story, and it's found in 1 Chronicles 4, 9. It's right in the middle of the genealogies, and it's just a few, two verses, and it talks about a mother and a son. First Chronicles 4.9. And before I begin reading this one, um, 
Well, actually, we can read this. Okay, First Chronicles 4.9. It's a, it's a little uh, two verses right in the middle of the genealogy of Judah, and it says this. It says, Jabez was honorable above his brothers, but his mother named him Jabez, which means sorrow maker, saying, because I bore him in pain. What a sad story. <laughs> right? And why is that thrown in here in the middle of everything? Why do we need to know that? Well, because of the next verse. In verse 10, it says, but Jabez, he didn't receive that. He had a higher expectation. And he cried out to God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be upon me and that you would keep me from evil so it might not hurt me. And God granted his request. You know, I love that. Where his mom had no expectation, he had a great expectation. And he stepped outside of her expectation into an expectation from God. And this is an example to us. Um, the Young's literal translation says about Jabez's mother, it says, because I have brought forth my child with grief. So there was something happening in her life. It wasn't just pain, like childbirth is painful, right? It is. But it says, because I brought forth my child with grief. And then the English Standard Version says this, because I bore him in pain. King James Bible says this, because I bore him with sorrow. So there was something more than just a physical pain. And when you read different commentaries, it says there was a sorrow or a broken spirit in her life. She was bound by a stronghold, and that stronghold was passed down to her child because it was so, it bound her so much. So now, Jabez's mother had really low expectations, was pretty much focused on the right now and on her pain, and she passed that on to her child. She named her child Jabez, which means sorrow maker. Oh man, that's not a good name. When you think about all the things that are in a name, I mean, when we chose our kids' names, we chose names that meant uh, happy, joyful, renewed spirit. We chose names that meant pure and uh, godlike. I mean, those were names that were important to us. We wanted them to, to mean something and to say something because there was an expectation that goes along with the name. Why did God change Abraham or Abram and Sarai's name? Because in speaking their names, there was an expectation of what God could do. Now he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. And then he changed Sarai's name uh, to Sarah, which meant princess or mother of nations. So there's something in that. What we begin to say over someone or something, there's an expectation that comes with it. So in looking at this, Jabez's mother had something that was uh, over her that she was passing on. You know, we were talking a lot this morning about thinking. Why is it so important that we change our thinking? Because what we think and what we uh, say will be passed down to our kids. 
Well, that's what's happening here, and it's a stronghold. Beth Moore says this. She says, a stronghold is anything exalting itself to be bigger in our minds or pretending to be bigger than God. Now, I love that definition. Uh, We define it this way. It's a dominant belief or attitude that's established by repeated thinking. So there's a stronghold there. If the devil can keep your life all about you, then he can contain the number of people that you influence and ultimately the number of people that you reach and that come into the kingdom. So how wonderful if we're bound in strongholds and we stay in strongholds and we never break free from them and then they're passed down from generation to generation for the devil, right? But not for us. And in fact, we have a way to break free. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians 10.4. 2 Corinthians 10.4. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Oh, wow. So here's here's the, the thing that we need to understand and know. There are weapons that can come against these. And they're not physical weapons, but they're mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. And what's a stronghold? Well, it's a dominant belief or attitude that's established by repeated thinking. What we think on is so important. What we think on will affect our expectation. We see that in the mother of Jabez. What we think on will uh, pass on down to our kids because it'll be what we talk about too. She named her child Sorrow Maker. So then it says, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. He says here that we have weapons of our warfare that are not physical, but they're mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. And then he says this, we refute arguments, theories, and reasonings, everything that tries to exalt itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Wow. We have to order our thoughts. We have to discipline our mind. We have to bring it into the word. What are these these weapons that we have? Well, there are several. We could say the word is a weapon. We could say listening to the Holy Spirit is a weapon. We could say the blood is a weapon, pleading the blood. The name of Jesus is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. These weapons are mighty. These are mighty but they're not physical weapons. Those are weapons that we take into the place where the enemy's thoughts would try and attack us, and we do battle. We do battle with those thoughts. We put them up next to the knowledge of Christ. And if they don't agree, then guess what? We lead those thoughts away captive. And we use these weapons to overthrow and destroy strongholds. 
You know, I love this. The greatest cure for deception, which a stronghold is being caught in deception, the greatest cure for deception is a revelation of the Word of God. When you find out who you are, the enemy can't lie to you and tell you who you're not. He can't tell you you're not who God said you are. You won't believe it and you won't accept it. Strongholds are chains that bind us with lies. They're lies. But how do you defeat a lie? With the truth. And where is the truth found? In the Word of God. So we have to bring the truth. But here's the deal. We'll never recognize a lie if we don't know the truth. That's why the truth has to be in us. It has to be in us. That's why it's so great that we're reading the New Testament this year because we're finding out all of these things of who we are in Christ, of what we have in Him, of what He has done for us, of the position and the place that He has given us. We have to know the truth to be able to recognize a lie. And then we have to be willing and responsible to take, or we have to be willing to take responsibility for how we think. We have to take responsibility for how we think. So that means when my thoughts are not in agreement with the Word of God, when my thoughts are not in agreement with Him, I have to take those thoughts and lead them away captive. I have to arrest those thoughts and kick them out. But we don't just get rid of thoughts by not thinking them anymore. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? I mean, even if we said tonight, um, in the nursery it was so cool this morning, there was a purple hippopotamus. Well, what do you do? You think about a purple hippopotamus. You probably picture a purple hippopotamus. You're probably thinking, like, how can there be a purple hippopotamus in the nursery? As soon as you say that, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. But that thought isn't going to leave until we replace it with a new thought. And strongholds are developed by repeated thinking. They're developed by repeated thinking on the wrong thing. So we have to think the right thing. Well, where are we going to find the right thing? It's going to be in the Word of God. So we have to be responsible to think about how we think. <laughs> And it's, and it's really, uh, it's, it's making a conscious effort to put our thoughts in line with the truth. Um, let's see. We'll never change our life until we change the way that we think. And there's, uh, there's a lot that we need to put in and think about in the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of influences. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things going on that we can listen to, a lot of voices. There's uh, television. There's all kinds of different things. I was talking to somebody just recently, and they said, you know what, we have totally quit watching TV. And it's not even somebody who, uh, you know, like goes to church regularly. Or They said, we've totally quit watching TV because of all of the influences. We just don't want that in our head. I thought, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's a lot of influences, but we have to choose to think the right things, and it starts with His Word. If we want Him to change who we are and how we are, then we have to begin to put His Word on the inside. Um, let's see, James 4.2 
says this. It says, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask, or you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasure. Now, I read this not to point out the murder and the covet and all of that, but to point out this. He says, we do not have because we do not ask or we ask amiss. You know, oftentimes when we're caught in a place uh, of, of a, a stronghold, we're caught in a place of, of no expectation and no real belief in the word of God, and we're praying amiss. And when I looked up this word, amiss means miserable, sick, diseased, weak, and grievous. Now, when I read that, I, I don't even put that together with it, but that's the definition. And when you look it up in the Strong's, it'll tell you that. It'll tell you miserable, sick, diseased, weak, and grievous. So when he says you're praying amiss, it means you're praying with no expectation. We're not getting anything because we're praying Let's put these words in there. Miserable prayers, sick prayers, <laughs> diseased prayers, weak prayers, grievous prayers. We want to stop praying that way. We want to start praying powerful prayers. Well, how do we do that? We got to connect to the word of God. Of course, we're not receiving anything if we're praying miserable, sick, diseased, weak, and grievous prayers. But if we're not connecting with the will of God for our life, We'll just be hoping something happens. And that's what those kind of amiss prayers look like. You know, God, I, I hope I can just pay this bill. I hope I can just make it till tomorrow. I hope I can just, uh, my kids can just, just have one day <laughs> where things go right, you know. But no, why don't we believe God instead of I can just pay that bill? Thank you, Lord, that you're prospering me. I can be generous. I'm out of debt. Why don't we take it further? We pray amiss when we don't expect as God expects for us. So how about instead of just praying that we can have one good day with our kids, that we pray out their destiny, that we pray out what God's plan is for them, that we really pray forth into some things that God wants for them, an expectancy of their future. <laughs> Not that we'll just uh, make it out of this situation or make it one more day, but that we'll have the best year ever. How about that for an expectation, right? God can move with those kind of things. But James tells us that we have not because we ask not, which means we're not praying, we're not talking to him, we have no expectation, or we ask amiss. Our expectation is so low. And that's what I see with Jabez's mother. Jabez's mother? I don't know how you say it. Jabez's mother or Jabez's mother. <laughs> but that's what I see. Her expectation of life for her son was so low, she named him Sorrow Maker. Wow. I find that sad. <laughs> Um, Psalm 9 9. Let's go over there. Psalm 9 9. But the things that bind us will be the things that continue unless 
we begin to think new thoughts. Unless we begin to change our thoughts. And you know, in that case, when we're caught in a stronghold, we have to identify the lies, we have to speak the truth, and we have to let the love of God transform us. That's how we move out of a stronghold. We have to identify the lies, speak the truth, and let love transform us. Okay, I'm talking and I'm just passing it over and over. Psalm 9. And as we put the word in, and we let that process work, then our experience begins affected by the word, to be affected by the word. And we start to have a new experience. The experience is with him, with him healing and changing. See, experiences shape us, whether they're negative or positive. And we need to have an experience with the truth to get out of a stronghold. An experience with the truth and the love of God. An experience with the power of God. And that's found by getting into his word and in his presence. And if we do that, then those strongholds will begin to be broken down. And like we said, there are weapons that are effective. And it's the word, his spirit, the blood, the name, the prayer. All of those are powerful. Psalm 9 9 says this. It says, The Lord also will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble, times of high cost, or maybe it could say inflation. <laughs> we know what that is, right? But the Lord is our stronghold in these times, He's our stronghold. And then it says destitution and desperation. I'm in the Amplified. Um, so the Lord will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble, high cost, destitution, and desperation. And they who know your name, who have experience and acquaintance with your mercy, See, it's an experience with the love of God. It's an experience with Him that changes us. Those who have that experience will lean on and confidently put their trust in You. For You, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek, inquire for, and for You and the authority of God's Word and on the right of their necessity. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. You know, I love that. He says we can take heart. We have a stronghold that we run into. We have a stronghold. And he is our stronghold. He has not forsaken us. He's there in every time. And those who seek and inquire of him on the authority of his word, we can sing. We can be glad. We can sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion, declare among the people his doings. You know, I love that. He is our stronghold. So when we look at this little piece of scripture in uh, 1 Chronicles, we then see what Jabez did. We saw his mom, 
We saw her state of mind, and now we see his. In 1 Chronicles 4.10, it says, Jabez cried to the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from evil so that it may not hurt me. And God granted his request. You know, I love that. God granted his request. God granted it. Because he asked, God granted it. That expectation was so far above what his mother even believed he could be. (laughs) And God said, I like this boy. I like him. I like what he's asking me for, and I'm going to give it to him. And you know, when I think about the stories in the Word with Aksa, like I said, that's Caleb's daughter. She asked for something of her father, and he said, I like that kind of faith. I'm going to do it. It was outside of the norm, and yet she got what she asked for. I think about the five daughters of Zelophehad in the, uh, the, the word that, you know, they asked for an inheritance. It wasn't necessarily due them. It was due to the, the men in the family, but they had no men. And they said, we're your daughters. Can't we have an inheritance? And his, their dad said, absolutely. I love the boldness. I love that you're asking for that. And so he gave them that inheritance. It's so cool how people stepped out and were bold to ask God for something bigger than, than that was them, that was the norm. It was bigger than, than uh, <laughs> they had an expectancy. That's what I'm trying to say. They had an expectancy. And you know, I love this about Jabez because God met him. He rose up and he asked God to bless him so that he could be a blessing. And that was a bold prayer to increase his influence and his territory and to protect him, keep him and prosper him. And God did it. And it made me think, you know, uh, I was thinking about kids and you know how kids are and do. Uh, there's so many things that, that, oh, maybe I didn't, oh, I, I think I did, um, There's so many things. When you ask a little kid, I remember we were babysitting one time, uh, this little guy, Isaac, and when you ask a little kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, they think of the best things that they can think of. They think of awesome things. So we said, Isaac, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, a dinosaur. (laughs) Like, that was the best thing that he could think of. It was beyond what could even be, but it was the best, you know? And I was, I was looking this up, and I found some others. And I just think it's funny sometimes to think about and to, to look at the way brains work, okay? So creative answers to what do you want to be when you grow up. This four-year-old girl says, I want to be a tattoo artist. <laughs> four-year-old girl from a non-tattooed family, <laughs> when asked her reason... She said, you get paid to draw on people. (laughs) And they pay you lots of money for it. I love that. We need to be like children when it comes to God. He's our father. And where (laughs) Jabez's mother did not have a high expectation for him, Jabez's father, God, said, I love your boldness, and I love your faith, and I'm going to give you what you asked for. Here's another one. 
This little boy says, I want to be a ninja chef. (laughs) Five-year-old boy who, when he was five, wanted to be a video game maker, now says he's six months older and he would like to have a very specific working schedule, Monday through Thursday, so he'll be a regular chef, and then on Fridays he'll turn into a ninja chef. (laughs) Don't you love that? He can be a ninja chef. And you know what? We can be any, wherever our expectation is, according to the word of God, we can be that too. There is nothing in here that is promised in the promises that is beyond you and me. Don't you love that? We can ask him for things that are beyond, and we can also reach that. Here's what this one girl said. I want to be a zookeeper. This entrepreneurial mind shared that she would like to buy lots of animals and start a zoo. When an adult questioned how she could afford it, she said, my house is available. (laughs) I'll keep the animals there. (laughs) Don't you love it? (laughs) This one five-year-old said, I'm going to be an aerospace engineer. Five-year-old boy who tried to provide this answer to a kindergarten teacher. When his assignment came home, the teacher had written an astronaut. The boy told his parents, he answered, I said, I want to be an aerospace engineer. But the teacher didn't understand him, so she wrote astronaut. (laughs) Don't you love that? He's like, no, I know what I am. Don't tell me that I'm something else. I know what I am. That's how we need to be with the things of God. Devil, don't tell me I'm something else. I know what I am. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know what I have, and you can't tell me otherwise. You know, that's what Jesus said. When the Lord told Jesus when he was, or the Father told Jesus when he was being baptized, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the very next chapter The devil tells him, if you are the son of God, oh, he answered with the word. He knew who he was. He wasn't going to be deceived by that question or that doubt. He didn't receive it. He knew exactly who he was and what he was called to do, and he stood on it. I love that. Here's one, cab driver. (laughs) A little boy with a friend who had stopped coming to school because of a broken leg and no means to get to school, when asked Why he chose cab driver, he responded, I want to drive around and teach those people who cannot afford to go to school. Whatever this little boy chooses to do in his future will undoubtedly make a positive impact in his community. You know, I love that one. Because a lot of times, the things that we ask for are the things that are part of what God put on the inside of us. And when we have a, a Uh, unction to pray for nations, we ask for nations. When we have an unction to pray for first responders and those people in our communities, we pray for them. We ask for them. When we have an unction to uh, witness and evangelize, we ask for those type of things. When when we have a, a gift to minister in the church, we ask according to that. You know, those are good things. God wants to raise our expectation of what he can do, and he wants us asking big. He wants us asking big according to our heart and what he has put in us. So 
That was the cab driver. Now here's this one. This 12-year-old boy who lives in Australia said, I want to be a dealer in antique Swiss Alp horns. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> this 12-year-old boy who lives in Australia had no musical ability and has never been to Switzerland. <laughs> that is somebody who has got a hold of something that is completely planted by God. <laughs> right? It's not, it's not even within the realm of what he knows. It's like that was dropped in his spirit. And sometimes that's the thing that God will give us. He'll give us something that seems so far out there and so outrageous and so big or so difficult or so, you know, like uh, we can't even fathom it. But we're going to pray for it because God put it in our heart. Oh, man, I love that one. <laughs> okay, here's another one. A doctor and then a teacher. Five-year-old girl who plans to be a doctor long enough to teach preschoolers how to be doctors, and then she will become a preschool teacher. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> that one cracks me up. <laughs> and then there was this little girl, four-year-old girl, who said, I really just want to be myself. <laughs> I know. She didn't under Maybe she didn't understand the question, but she does understand her importance. <laughs> and the rationale behind the answer was that if she became someone else, who would be her? <laughs> you know what? I love that. Why don't we raise our expectation to just be who God called us to be this year? If we are just who he called us to be, oh man, that's all he asked. If we just do what he called us to do, if we just go where he called us to go this year, if our expectation was, God, I'm just going to obey you in anything you ask of me this year. I'm going to pray what you tell me to pray. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. Oh, we'd be doing good. We'd be doing really good. So Jabez, <laughs> he took the stronghold that would try and box him in, and he made it a platform to pray out God's plan over his life. You know, I love that. He said, I'm not going to be held, held into this boundary of sorrow maker. I won't be that. That's not me. And he prayed for more. He prayed that God would bless him, enlarge him, that his, God's hand would be on him, that he would keep him, and that he would be a blessing to others. Oh my goodness. We serve a God who's more than enough. He's more than enough. Ephesians 3.19 says this, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able 
to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Oh man, that's one to meditate on this year. <laughs> that's one to meditate on. Get it out of the Amplified and meditate on that. You know, we read this all the time as we're praying. These are some of Pastor Mark's favorite prayers to pray over the church. We pray this over us. We pray that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves that you would have that experience with God's love that would far surpass anything else that you have known or learned, but that experience with God would take you into being wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I mean, doesn't that sound like the best place to live? That is an awesome place to be where God fills all and is in all. And his presence working in you by the action of his power that is in, at work within us, he's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think. So I just ask you this, what are you asking? What are you thinking? What are you asking and thinking? He's able to do so far above it. So let's raise our expectation. How big is your ask this year? How big is your expectation? What are you asking for? You know, we were at an event with a friend of ours, and they were asking for donations and money. And he says to us, well, that's a really big ask. And I thought, you know what? We're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. It wasn't that much because it was a ministry thing. And God, when we sowed, God met and far abundantly exceeded what we sowed. Because we sowed, it came back to us. God is so good that way. If we trust him, if we step out, man, he'll do it. He's just waiting for people who will believe him for bigger, who will believe him for more. That's what he wants. So our asking is his invitation. And let's go over to Revelation 5.8. Revelation 5.8. This really tells us the importance of our prayers. The importance of, that God puts on our prayers. Revelation 5.8 says this, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin prostrated themselves, Prostrated, wait, I always get this wrong. One is a body part and one <laughs> is an action. <laughs> I always say it wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, in heaven. <laughs> okay. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin prostrated themselves before the Lamb. <laughs> and each was holding a harp, <laughs> a lute or a guitar. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha, 
are you? This has never happened to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Laughter is good medicine. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, and then I can't see because my eyes are watery. <laughs> okay, let's start over. <laughs> Revelation 5.8. <laughs> and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin prostrated themselves before the Lamb, and each was holding a harp a lute or a guitar, and they had golden bowls full of incense, fragrant spices, and gums for burning, which are the prayers of the saints. You know, I love that part so much. These are the prayers of the saints, and the prayers are so important. They rise before him like incense, and he stores them in golden bowls in heaven because prayers are God's invitation to come in and move, to do something. So when we put a high expectancy on God and we pray big, bold prayers like Jabez did, when we pray and we, and we go beyond our natural thinking into what God is thinking, he takes those prayers, he stores them, he holds them, and he uses them at the right time. He says, I have a, an ability, I have an authority to come into this situation because my children prayed about this. They asked me for this. They asked me to come in. They asked me to do this. They opened the door for me. Amen. And now, we need to pray big prayers this year. <laughs> I'm telling you, raise your expectation. God is doing things this year. Oh, he's good. We're going to stop there before we get caught. <laughs> Another fit of laughter, which is so good for us. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength, and it's medicine for us, and it's good to laugh. <laughs> so, by the way, Mark Hankins will be here in uh, March. Is it March? think so. Yeah, March 17th and 18th. So uh, we will laugh. <laughs> we will laugh while they're here, I guarantee it. Uh, but it's going to be a really good time. All right, well, why don't you stand with me? <laughs> it's good to examine. It's good to ask ourselves what our expectancy is. You know, Revival comes because people pray. Prayer ushers in revival. Every single revival that has happened on this planet has been ushered in by a trail of prayers and prayer. You'll find 
little old ladies and, and small groups of people that have prayed for months and even years, and then revival starts popping in cities and in nations and, and starts happening. But it's because prayer went forth. And it's exactly this. When those prayers go forth, it really creates a place where God can come in and move because the ground is saturated with prayer. There's so much prayer that has gone forth. His presence is able to fall on that place. So when we talk about ready, set, revival and expectation, and we're raising our expectation with prayer, we are really getting ready for what God wants to do. When we pray about this valley, when we pray about what he wants to do in this nation, we are setting ourselves up for revival in this nation. And I guarantee you, we are going to see great things and God doing things as a result of our prayers and our expectations. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come to look at your word. We thank you, Father God, that your word is alive, it's powerful. We receive this admonition, this uh, increased expectation. And Father, I just pray that even now you'll drop it in our hearts of how we need to pray, what we need to put an expectancy on you for. I thank you that each and every one of us has something in our heart that we're stirred with continually. And Father, I thank you that you uh, reveal to us how we can pray bigger, how we can raise our expectation, how we can be like these children, your children, that's what we are. How we can be like these children that dared to say what they desired. I thank you for it, Father, that we'll be those who dare to step out and to step up into your thoughts and into your plans and pray them forth. Thank you for it, Lord. We just commit to be prayers and to raise our expectancy for revival in this nation, in this place. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for the word tonight. Pray that it will grow in us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs> we'll say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, God did in Christ Jesus. far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>